My name's Jay Philippi, and I've spent my life in and around the media. TV, radio, the movies, and more. I love them, and I hate them, and I always have an opinion. Call this The View from the Flip Side. I wasn't going to do a Burt Reynolds memorial show. His passing has been covered by every news outlet in the world, as it should have been. But my mind just kept circling back to the story, so I'm giving in. One more remembrance of a movie star. That was the phrase that kept coming back to me. Burt was a movie star. No, I have not been overcome by a bout of Captain Obvious. Sure, he was the star of most of his movies, the lead role, the name above the title. I'm thinking more in terms of the old-school meaning of the term. Burt was a guy who could take a very average, even below-average movie, and make it worth watching, just by being in it. That is a much rarer ability, a much more singular gift than most people realize. It wasn't because he was a great actor, although he was a better actor than most people think. It was not intense, nuanced acting that made Reynolds something special to watch, even when the rest of the movie was awful. He shared a quality that I've always appreciated about Arnold Schwarzenegger's film work as well, the utter joy of it. Watch either of those actors and ask yourself, does it look like they're having fun? There has never been any doubt in my mind that the answer is almost always a resounding yes. Through 186 movies, Reynolds just climbed up onto our screens and enjoyed the living daylights out of being Burt Reynolds. It was a career that began in 1958 and was still running at the time of his death. The recurring character that was his bread and butter was a happy-go-lucky, let's-have-a-good-time, good old boy. In the 1970s, he crystallized that image in all our imaginations with roles in The Longest Yard, Smokey and the Bandit, Semi-Tough, and The Cannonball Run. He starred in or was a regular on several television series as well, including Dan August, B.L. Stryker, and Evening Shade. Few of them will be remembered as great classics of the large or small screen, although his movie career has several worth watching over and over again. What makes most of them special are the moments when Burt is the movie star. Those moments when he gets that sly grin on his face and we know he's going to do something ill-advised. Ill-advised, but awfully, awfully fun. Burt Reynolds may not be the last movie star, but he deserves to be remembered for that very special talent. Burt Reynolds was 82. What's happening is inevitable, I suppose. The growing number of old television programs being rebooted. Now, it's happened before. Hawaii Five-0 was a TV staple for 12 seasons in the 60s and 70s. The reboot has managed to add nine more seasons to that total. Dynasty has returned, The X-Files got second life, as did SWAT. None of them, of course, were the kind of breakout hit that the Roseanne reboot was last season. Television loves success and loves to copy whatever works. So a sudden rush of reboots was predictable. The two big-name series coming soon are Magnum P.I., set to premiere at the end of September, and Murphy Brown, which will premiere that same week. Both shows will be on CBS. I am torn on these programs since I was a huge fan of both originals. The pair are taking different approaches to the concept. Murphy Brown will be an all-original cast, while Magnum is bringing us not only new actors in the roles, but some new interpretations too. For example, Higgins is now a woman. Don't worry, Zeus, Apollo, and the Ferrari all make it back. 
There is the temptation to say that with general television audiences getting older, and CBS having a reputation for an older audience anyway, this is just the network trying to offer the old coots among the viewers something familiar. Certainly the Murphy-Brown cast will look familiar with its slew of 60- and 70-year-old actors, which will make it one of the oldest average-age casts probably in television history. The reality is slightly different. There are plenty of other shows, including some classics from the 80s and 90s, that are under consideration for a relaunch as well. The oldest program that I found being considered was the 60s favorite, Bewitched. Then you can jump forward to shows like ALF and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. For children of the 80s and 90s, the choices are growing. For you, there are reboots and discussion for Animaniacs, Blue's Clues, Clarissa Explains It All, Double Dare, and DuckTales, among others. There's no guarantee all of these shows will make it into production. There are always more shows talked about than ever make it to the screen. Plus, reboots are not guaranteed ratings winners. For every Roseanne, there's a Fuller House. The numbers for both Hawaii Five-0 and The X-Files had a few wobbles along the way. At the end, my real problem is that the television networks seem to have left behind any attempt at creating something new and interesting, which doesn't do anything to solve the long-term issues the medium faces. Some transparency from the very start today. I have watched all of the original 2013 Purge movie. It is one of the most idiotic and intellectually offensive pieces of drivel I have ever sat through. While I am not surprised, I am appalled that there are now four installments in the franchise. And now there is a television series. For those who have had the good fortune to avoid this pile of manure, the concept is simple. The action takes place in a near-future dystopic United States where, for 12 hours, once a year, all laws are lifted. Everything is legal. The entertainment value of the series is watching things being blown up and people being terrorized and killed. And if you want to watch it, go right ahead. But I'd like to ask a question or two before you do. What on earth is entertaining about a world where the new founding fathers, as the elected officials of this horrible world are called, have decided that the best way for a freedom-loving people to behave is to allow our lowest, most violent impulses to be given official sanction? It is the worst elements of the Hunger Games writ large. The real question is that, what's the entertainment value of this? Spread over 10 episodes, the television show will cover a single purge night. The terror of utter lawlessness is supposed to be amusing for us, the audience. And I just don't get it. Coming in the political environment of the moment, this kind of over-the-top violence coupled with at least one storyline where a character uses the purge to eliminate a professional rival, this show strikes me as everything we don't need right now. The original movies were often judged to have a basis in satire. It's certainly not something I noticed in the first installment. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of criticism of the resort to violence as a problem-solving device. Rather, it struck me as reveling in an American version of the terror that followed the French Revolution. The movie lacks any sense of subtlety or nuance, so there's just not a lot of basis for believing that there is much depth to the thought processes behind these movies. The television version of The Purge launched last week on USA Network. I am perfectly happy to report that early critical response has been on the negative side. Response to the movies have been headed in that direction as well. As far as I'm concerned, the sooner we purge the purge, the better. Call that the view from the flip side. 
The View from the Flipside is written and produced by Jay Philippi. You can follow this program on Twitter at Radio Flipside or visit our website at viewfromtheflipside.com. Thank you.